Hello. In a moment, you'll be listening to Pod on the Tyne. But first, a small disclaimer. As has now become a well-established tradition, this week's show was recorded before we heard the breaking news, a big exclusive for our brilliant colleague Greg Evans, that Aston Villa have appointed Unai Emery as their new manager. It doesn't affect our conversation too much, but we thought it might sound strange that we didn't discuss that appointment, given that he very nearly joined Newcastle United this time last year. It will certainly add an interesting extra dimension to Saturday's game, but we didn't talk about it, and now you know why. The rest of the show is just as inaccurate and slapdash, but we've got no excuse for that. Hope you enjoy it. Cheers. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast from The Athletic. Coming up on this week's show. Heavy showers. Inclement weather was Tottenham's second biggest problem on Sunday as Newcastle swamped their defence. Showered with praise. Eddie Howe gets the plaudits after team reached new heights. Was this his best result as Newcastle manager? And baby shower, Bruno welcomes a new addition, a bouncing baby boy. Yes, hello, this is Pod on the Tine. I am Taylor Payne and all the gang is here once again uh, for fun and frolics. How the devil are we, chaps? How are you, Chris, up there in Northumberland? Are you all right? I'm very good, thank you. Yes, on the drive, on the way up through the Northumberland countryside, I was listening to a bit of Aha, their new album, Ooh. in tribute to Eddie Howe and his uh, shit-housing mags. So yes, that was that was that was very very good. So I'm enjoying that. It's di- different, very different eighties Aha, but uh, yeah, no, I'm en- I'm enjoying that. How was the new long player? Is it all right? Or any highlights? Uh, not the yet. end. The, the end, end of it. Yeah, yeah, basically, <laughs> basically here. Yeah. Uh, George Corgan's here as well. How are you, George? I am, yeah. Um, closer, slightly closer to home, although we're st- we're kind of continuing the theme of um, of geographical expansion. I'm fine. I'm I'm hungover. I'm hungover from drinking too much beer last night, and I'm hungover from football. It's like I've got this amazing, beautiful football hangover. It's just incredible at the minute, isn't it? Yeah. I watched that match. I watched the match in the pub with a mate of mine who's from school, but he's not like a massive football fan or anything. And he was watching. He was like, sort of saying. This is this is good, isn't it? And it was like I found it very difficult to agree with him. I mean, he was totally right, but it was like, yes, it is, and I keep expecting it not to be good anymore, or for suddenly for Tottenham to sweep forward and have loads of attacks and score goals. It's like, yeah, yeah. but Newcastle continue to be good over the course of an entire match. I'm, yeah, it's um, amazing. It's great stuff. How are you? I'm I'm absolutely wonderful, to be honest. I'm in uh, I'm in beautiful sunny Croatia at the minute on the Dalmatian coast. Uh, and let me just say, it knocks the spots off all the other coasts I've been oh, on. Oh, God's sake. <laughs> I mean, you've already made that joke off air, now you've made it on air, which is even worse. Yeah, d- don't bother coming back, for God's sake. <laughs> oh, I won't. Don't worry. I wish I didn't have to. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. I watched the uh, the game last night in a little place called Mario's Sports Pub, just along the road, and sat down in a family, another Newcastle family sat next to me and, and my missus, and we, we all watched the game together. And uh, I screamed Mickey at the top of my voice when he scored the second goal and the entire pub fell silent. 
and I felt like a complete div. Uh, but, <laughs> but apart from that, it was marvellous. What a night. Uh, many beers were quaffed, and, and a good time was had by all. Uh, yeah, let's talk about that game, huh? 2-1, Newcastle, and yes, Eddie Howe shithousing mags, as Chris called them. Uh, the press, the Eddie Howe press, it's been effective all season, hasn't it? But Spurs could not handle it. The whole defence was scared stiff, and not least the goalkeeper. I mean, <sighs> Loris, he's a, he's a well-known international with lots of experience under his belt and he looked flustered last night Chris didn't he yes he was he's a very good shot stopper but Newcastle had identified it was something that they'd worked on just as they had done with Brentford and and David Raya that you pressurize him in the situations where he's got the ball at his feet and it can cause trouble for for, for Spurs and it can almost be Newcastle's best uh, form of attack and it turned out to be uh, so that that was something which uh, obviously Callum Wilson led the press, but Joe Linton had been moved to a left forward position to bring Joe Willock back into the team. Joe Linton, who uh, Eddie Howard said on Friday had suffered a knee injury and so was a doubt. Basically, was a doubt for the weekend, and then very much in Eddie Howe team new style, ended up starting and in a different position and played the full ninety minutes and ran himself into the ground just as every other player did. And between those two and obviously Miguel Almiron as well, whose pressing is excellent, followed by the midfield. Sean Longstaff for, for Elmeron's goal was very effective in that sense, winning the header. And yeah, that 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 press to go to Spurs and do that as well, I think, took extreme courage and shows again where this team is. They've done it to Man City at home. They did it to Liverpool in spells at Anfield, but not quite as much as they did uh, at, at Spurs yesterday. And it really did rattle them. I mean, I was I was in the ground. I was obviously there. And about half an hour into forty minutes into the game, I'd say. The crowd turned and you could see that they were concerned and they were worried because Newcastle were on top and were putting them under real pressure. Hugo Lollis. Ha, <laughs> good, like it. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. Thank Very you. Good. I mean, I, there were, he, he, made, he made a couple of terrible decisions and they both led to goals. I know that the Wilson goal had the long VAR check, but I mean, you know, you always have to look at yourself first. And he should have cleared it. He should have whacked the ball out as hard as he could. He was trying to be clever. I don't think it was a foul. I think that was the right decision. When I actually saw it happen in real time, I didn't think it was a foul. And then when I watched the slow replay, it looked to me like Callum Wilson made himself stand up taller and bigger in order to put himself in front of Loris. But at the same time, I, I, it just looked like a coming together. Yeah. You know, I kind of say it from both sides. I, th- I think Wilson might have been able to get out the way, but maybe so could have Loris as well. And if Loris had just stayed on his feet, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. Yeah, and if he cleared it, if he'd cleared it... Probably, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Wilson wouldn't have been able to take it around him afterwards anyway. Anyway, who cares? Who cares about... Hmm. But the... But the, the but the thing is, you know, the thing is that they, they were mistakes, but they were forced mistakes in the sense that Newcastle were always there. There was that moment early on in the game when Eric Dyer did that terrible, terrible back, attempted back pass oh, that went yes. wide. Hilarious that, wasn't it? Yeah. What, you know, was that an unforced error? Well, yes, it was. If he'd been concentrating better, he, he shouldn't have done that. I mean, that was a basic error. At the same time, if you look at the pictures when he did that, you've got Newcastle players right on him. And that was the theme. And... As soon as that moment happened, you could see that sort of sense of desperation creep through the Spurs backline, and it just it didn't go away. And it's just so imp- it's so impressive to see Newcastle be that aggressive and to carry on doing that. And they did that through the whole match, pressing in an effective way, and you know carry- carrying it through. It's just so good. It's just so good to see and. 
you know, I know Chris, Chris laughed about the shit, shit housing mags, and they they do, they have that mm-hmm. size yeah. to their armory now, which is which is great. But they played well. I mean, they played well, and they deserved to win. And honestly, it's just so. You, I keep expecting something to go wrong. I keep expect <laughs> you expect it to be. You know, I, I'm, yeah. I was saying to this to Chris earlier. You saw those early Spurs attacks when Son and Kane were breaking. You were thinking, oh, that, that's that. You know, they're so good when they've got. But Newcastle nullified, nullified that by the end. Yeah, just so good, so good. They were excellent. And Chris, we're going to have to do it again. I'm afraid, Miguel Almiron. Where's your pie? Scored another goal. Where's your pie, Chris? Where's your pie, Chris? Have you got your pie with you this week? There's some cheesecake behind my laptop. I can have that. Humble cheesecake. Humble cheesecake. Yeah. <laughs> but what a what a goal again! And we haven't had the chance to speak about his fantastic goal against Everton as well uh, in in midweek. Two in a week, both. Different goals, both brilliant goals. The boy is playing with massive amounts of confidence. He looks in top form at the minute, doesn't he? He does. He's he's just uh, and he he's really setting the tone for Newcastle at the minute. The way that he is off the ball, we know anyway. But it's just that there's something about the way that he's playing with real confidence. Where on that right hand side, him and there was him and Sean Longstaff linked up really well at certain points. Where there's a little flicks and then beyond the the defenders and the, the way that he took that. I mean, he completely swatted off Ryan Sessegnon. Uh, showed real strength to get beyond him after Sean Longstaff had won the header. And then just absolutely sold Clement Langley, and this says a lot about how unprofessional I am. That at the time I thought that was Ben Davies, who wasn't even on the pitch, and it, but it, <laughs> <laughs> he, he just good, Chris. Yeah, he just excellent. he just swept beyond him and just left him absolutely just standing there. Yeah. And Loris again was was Loris probably should have saved it, but equally Al- Almiron got the shot away earlier, and I think and I don't think Loris even expected him to shoot from that sort of position again. Probably you'd think right-footed shot, but he still manages to get it there on his left foot, which is and he, and he takes it so well. And yes, he's in he's in absolute electric form. Five goals in five games. He is, and yeah, he just he, I think Callum Wilson's getting a little bit annoyed that he's not top scorer anymore, which is great. Hopefully, there's going to be that competition <laughs> going forward. But just just for, you can just see how delighted everyone is from when you see the celebrations after. You see Joe Willock, who obviously is desperate to score, hasn't scored a goal, and yet you can see how much Miguel Almiron means to them and and the sort of spirit that he encapsulates because uh, they all went across and absolutely loved that goal. Yeah, I mean, anybody who knows anything about football knew that this was the season when Almiron was going to <laughs> come forward and shine. I mean, I think... He'd just stick after, the knife in there, George. After, after that sensational pre-season, he's carried it on. I mean, it's... No, I, mean, I am kidding, but I do want to highlight him a bit, but I want to highlight a couple of other things too. So, but we should say, Miggy has scored more goals this season than Salah, Son, Jesus, Rashford... And he is proven himself to be a better, uh, more effective footballer than Jack Grealish, who, let's not forget, is the most yeah. expensive in- English player ever. But then look at Sean Longstaff, too, in these last few matches. You know, he's played every minute of the last three games in, in eight days. And I think there's that stat about him covering more ground in yeah. over 90 minutes than any other Newcastle player. Welcome back, Sean. You're now the player that we thought we had two or three seasons ago who was courting interest from Manchester United who by the way can keep their hands off and that would be a sideways move for for sure now anyway Jalinton you know we're talk- we're still talking about a player I I mean I'd happily be corrected if I'm wrong about this but is the biggest turnaround in Newcastle United's history in terms of form and favor I mean yeah. just just astonishing 
We can and asked to do another job last night as well, and just yeah, yeah, sort it in and did absolutely. it. And no whinge and no bother, just cracked on, didn't he? And, and I think even at the start of this season, if you talked about Gillington and Brazil, it might sound fanciful, but I, I just don't think that is a fanciful, fanciful discussion anymore. No, Fabian Scher, of course, we have to mention, who is part of the meanest defence in the Premier League. And then Callum Wilson, who's the sort of exception from this little list that I'm reading out because he's he's been quality throughout his time at the club. But those five players, that's half of Newcastle's team from yesterday. And in fact, it's six players. It's not five because there's Joe Willock as well. And Willock has been a brilliant box-to-box midfielder, full of dynamism and running complementing the others in midfield. So it's not five. You're talking about a majority of the Newcastle team that has gone to Spurs and won and won handsomely, being there from before the takeover and before Eddie Howe arrived. That is that is absolutely astonishing. And that is credit and testament to them. But it's also credit and testament to the brilliant coaching of Eddie Howe. And we have, yeah, to, we have to say that. I know we we're going to come on and talk to him about... about about his work, and it does get dismissed because of the money that Newcastle have spent. But again, if you look at the money, um, you know some of the money that was spent. Dan Byrne, also part of that defence, couldn't guarantee. You know, wasn't guaranteed game game time at Brighton. Nick Pope has been sensational, but came from a relegated team. Even someone like Kieran Trippier, you know, who has been an absolutely transformative signing for Newcastle. Newcastle didn't have rivals for his signature when he came in January. They they were the only team interested. Newcastle have been smart in what they've done. But that performance yesterday with those players who have have stepped forward and Eddie Howe's work, it's just astonishing. It is astonishing. It really is. And Eddie Howe has been quite rightly showered with praise for his performance as head coach. Uh, In the post-match press conference, Chris asked him how he felt after the Spurs win. Uh, real pride in the players in the whole football club really the the scenes at the end were brilliant to be a part of Uh, I have to compliment the group on everything they gave today I thought it was a really really good performance probably the best since I've been here and I thought we deserved it I thought uh, it was a tough game Tottenham a very good team but I thought we played very well Well, I hoped it was coming I I, I don't think you can ever sit here and say I, I knew it was coming we decided to go with the same team today Performances really, I think, have dictated that. We didn't want to change too much. The rhythm of the team's been really good. So we had a battle between fresh legs and continuity and the team playing in a very functional way. And I think it worked that we we just went with the same rhythm and the players emptied the tanks for us. They gave everything. And I thought technically it was a very good performance today. I thought we um, did very well with the ball. Absolutely. And, and Eddie described us as being efficient with the ball, didn't he, in the last two matches? And obviously that it could be the quality of the opposition that we had, but Newcastle seem to be playing now with a level of intelligence uh, and a bit of cleverness about the game that wasn't there before. The way they use the ball and the way they manage the game, I think that you can see there's been a step up in level where that sort of stuff's concerned. And and Howe's done a brilliant job, hasn't he? He has. I mean, what I want to say is that f- what I thought changed after the first 15 minutes was, I mean... Th- Spurs did look very, very good on the counter early on in transition, and Newcastle actually was sloppy in possession early on. 
What they changed to was they gave the ball a lot more to Bruno Gimraes in difficult positions, and he manages the ball a lot better. He's, he adds so much in that sense. But it's not just him. It then filters throughout the rest of the team because he shows the bravery and willingness to, to receive possession, to win free kicks. It Then he, he plays little triangles with Kieran Trippier in, in his own half. He plays it with Sven Botman, with, uh, with, with Fabian Scher, and suddenly you can see the confidence start to build yeah. and Newcastle will then play through and basically cause Spurs problems of their own. And, and Newcastle actually, for until the 75th minute, Newcastle had more possession than Spurs at Spurs. First half, one stage had about 75% possession. I think it was yeah, about half right. an hour in. Yeah. They were they were having a lot of the ball, partly because Spurs wanted them to, but actually they were managing it quite well. And then as you say, second half, their game management, it, it was there again. I know some people elsewhere are frustrated by the fact that Newcastle are time wasting, but to be honest with you, I don't really care that that this Newcastle did that because they had to go, they had to go and win. And I mean, part I, of the game, the, Chris. The one point if was, we weren't doing it, Spurs will be doing it to us. Exactly. The one point I was a little bit concerned was I thought Nick Pope could have been sent off. That was a little bit concerning because he was so <laughs> it was it was it seemed to be so rapid that he had done so many uh, time wasting incidents in, in a short space of time. But equally, the way Newcastle slowed the game, the way they may were able to see it out, that is what you want from. from and the very best teams that's what the very best teams do in those moments when they have to just see a game and they had three matches inside a week How said I was surprised how few changes he'd made I was surprised he didn't make any changes against Everton and I was surprised he only made one against Spurs because that wasn't the plan initially but the players had played so well that he wanted to keep that momentum going and so he didn't want to make wholesale changes and they really have emptied the tanks this week. I think that was the term that Callum Wilson used after the game. He said every single player to a man emptied the tanks and they did. I thought every single player yesterday was absolutely top draw. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. We have to have a special mention, don't we, George, for Bruno Gimaraes, who... Uh, whose uh, baby boy was born two days before the Spurs game. Matteo, welcome to the world. Uh, he had a magnificent game and he looked absolutely knackered when he came off, uh, which followed up with a, uh, a post on Twitter saying he hadn't slept for two nights. Yeah. What an effort that is. Just before George answers, just on that, how apparently Bruno had told how that he'd only slept just for one night he hadn't had sleep. So how wasn't very happy because he didn't realise. He, oh, really? he said he probably would have played him anyway, but he didn't realise it was two nights he hadn't had any sleep for. Bruno had lied to him, so he played. What a tinker! <laughs> no, he's a he's a he's a superstar, isn't he? I mean, he's a he's a player who would grace the best teams. He's he's wonderful to watch, and as Chris says, yeah, the the you know the magic is that he keeps he keeps the team moving, he keeps the team ticking over. He's he's always uh, he's always wants the ball, and he's always finding space. And so you have that, you know, Newcastle haven't had that player who can get them from front to back like he can but again I mean I, I sort of want to want to pay tribute to to sort of everybody else as well and Chris Chris has written a brilliant piece from the match which I'd you know urge everyone to read um but one of the one of the kind of parallels I think I think you're saying it Chris that this is the best start to the season since the fifth place season I think that's right yeah and I mean one of the things that I always thought about that season 
not that Newcastle were lucky, because I don't think that's true. And certainly Newcastle haven't had, you know, every bit of luck go their way this season. We know that from the VAR calls that they've been on the end of. But one thing that does strike me as a parallel is that thing where if a player goes out of the team, then another player will come in and you don't sort of notice the difference. I mean, if you if you certainly that's been the case over the past few weeks. So back in that season, players like your mate James Perch Taylor came in and was exceptional in midfield. And people raising their games, isn't it? People raise their games. Mike and Williamson at the same time as well did the same. Absolutely. Injuries that you thought would be sort of curtain you know, would mean curtains to their chances of finishing in such a good position didn't have an effect and it feels a bit like that at the moment so you've got Longstaff coming in to no great acclaim performing absolute heroics you know magnificently Jacob Murphy coming into the team it's like well what's all that about and then keeping his place but you know running and being targeted in what he's doing and effective in what he's doing and you know they don't have St Maxima they don't have Isak and we're not feeling the difference and that is so encouraging that those players um, you know that, that you needed to kind of get performance out of it's happening, and that is just so yeah, that is so encouraging. I mean, I know we're joking with Chris about about Miggy, but really, Chris had a good point. You know, at the start of the season, if you're if you're judging him, if you're judging Miggy on the previous oh, couple of, course, of seasons, yeah. you know, he he wasn't a shoe in to be in the team, and he wasn't a shoe in to stay in the team, and Newcastle have been looking at that position to strengthen it. If we'd signed somebody, he might not be in the team now as well. Exactly. But he has become an effective footballer because he is being given definitive instructions on what to do. So he's looked a bit like a little... He's looked like a little boy lost over the past two or three seasons. Someone who will run for you all day but wasn't particularly running where you needed him to be or running in a way that was effective. He now has a defined role in the team. He knows what's being asked for him and he's delivering it and he looks like a properly effective footballer again. I mean, increasingly. And, you know, that's just fabulous to see. Mind you, this is no disrespect to Miggy, but I think think Kieran Trippier could make me look good if I was playing in front of him because he is something else, isn't he? Transformative. I mean, uh, you know, again, I'm struggling to think of more transformative signings as well for the club. I mean, he is brilliant and, yeah, we think we should think more often about those partnerships in the team. That partnership has has been wonderful. I mean, I'm not sure why he was marking Harry Kane for yeah, the no for idea. the goal, but uh, that didn't seem a bit of a mismatch. But he's just a leader, and yeah, I'm pleased. It sounded like he got a nice response from from Spurs fans yesterday, which is good. But I mean, he's just you know, and to come to Newcastle, this is going over old ground, but to come to Newcastle. Um, from Atletico Madrid, where he'd won the title as a serving in England international, not to have a relegation clause in his contract, but to utterly believe in what he's doing and to to be at it 100% of the time from day one. Um, what a player. What a player he is. What a man. I would also like to give a shout out to Dan Byrne because there's been some questions about whether he should be in the team in recent weeks. I asked how about it the week before we said last week that, that he didn't like my question on that front about where Matt Target is and was. I mean, Matt Target can't even get on the pitch at the minute. But what won't have been seen on the TV and what isn't always noticeable is there's a reason why he also wants to get Dan Byrne in the team. Before the match, Newcastle were doing their warm-up and at one stage, Byrne went into the middle of the warm-up and went to basically every single player and said, I need more from you. I want you to, I want this, I want the intensity up. We need more. That's the leadership that he also brings. That's leadership, a leader. Yeah. That's what Howe wants out on the pitch. That's what Trippier brings as well. And they have those leaders filtered throughout the team. He talks about having a leadership team, Eddie Howe, and Dan Byrne is a part of that. 
that and I thought that he he did very well again yes he isn't a natural left back you can see there isn't necessarily that attacking verve that comes with him but there's a reason why Eddie Howe isn't just picking him for the sake of it there's a reason why Eddie Howe is picking him and he's been justified he, he said to me three games ago the results speak for themselves we were three games on seven points in a week and they, ha- they certainly do speak for themselves Yes, uh, and Alan from work uh, has been enjoying the recent run as well. Uh, he said this in his BBC Sport column, I really didn't expect Newcastle to be in the top four after 12 games. I'd love to be proved wrong. I don't think they will still be here come the end of the season, but I am still enjoying seeing Eddie Howe's side up there, playing so well and getting big results. Newcastle are starting to upset some of the big boys and they don't like it. It's a good sign because it shows Newcastle are no longer a soft touch. People know things are different now. They know Newcastle are coming and they know they mean business. Newcastle absolutely do mean business, don't they, George? Uh, and, and you can see that we are a transformed team and teams are now taking a step back against us, aren't they? And they haven't to think about what they do against Newcastle. They're not going to get it all their own way. No, and it's not a fluke, is it? If you look back at those at the at the results against the big teams this season, okay, so that fabulous three-all draw with Man City when Newcastle were uh, two goals up, you know, just a brilliant, brilliant performance and a brilliant game. Losing 2-1 to Liverpool in... Um, you know, distressing circumstances right at the end, but irritating the hell out of out of Anfield and Jurgen Klopp, and you know, standing up to them, not lying down, doing more. You know, to use Eddie Howe's phrase, doing more than just being there, doing more than just turning up. Yeah, of course, the Man United game again, deserving of that draw, I thought, and the sight of Ronaldo stropping down the down the line. What was one of the things that started yesterday? Well, the boos and the jeers. At Tottenham, you know, felt like an unhappy club, and these are these are all with Newcastle present, present, and all with Newcastle giving them problems to solve, and um, yeah, and but doing it on the front foot, doing it with aggression, not going anywhere, not being scared. Um, it's 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 the Newcastle we want. It's the Newcastle we picture when we think of our own place. We think, you know, we think, you know, we want to stand for something, and they're doing it. Absolutely. And then Chris asked Eddie Howe what he thought about a top four finish. And here's what he said. I don't know. Um, all we will do is continue to give everything for success. The players are in a really good place. The scenes in the dressing room are really good. It's great to see the happiness and togetherness in the group. And we just continue to, to give our all in every game. So I've got a philosophical question for you both here. And answer this <laughs> as answer this as briefly as you can. But if I'm I'm giving you the offer. I'm going to wait. I can wave my magic wand, okay? The Culkin wand. Actually, that sounds a bit oh, sinister. I'm not sure I want to see that, to be no, honest. No, that sounds a bit Can sinister, you turn your camera it? off before you do that? Yeah, I'll d- sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> if I can wave my magic wand, right, and end the season now with the league table as it is, would you accept my offer? Would I take fourth place in the league now, at the end of the season? No, I'm offering to end the season now um, with Newcastle in fourth place. Would you accept I- don't want the season to end now, if that makes sense. I want the season to continue because I'm enjoying it a lot and I want to see what this team can do. I think not finishing in the top four doesn't represent any kind of failure on behalf of Newcastle United. I think the the success is already there to see, but I'd love to see what these lads can do for the rest of the year. So, no, I wouldn't take that, George. Thank you very much. Put your wand away. Yeah, I'd, 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 echo, <laughs> I'd echo that. I, it, it, the whole point of a league table is you play across the entire season. 12 games in they've been fantastic and they, they are fourth but no I want, I want to see how far they can go they've surpassed my expectations by miles and uh, I'm already I basically now become weekly 
at annoyance for Eddie Howe and asking questions he don't like. He doesn't like. He didn't like my asking this one about whether they can maintain the form, being the top four. I'd like to be able to ask him those questions for a little while longer throughout the course of the season yeah. and for them to do well. So yeah, I, I, no, I wouldn't take. What about you? What about you? Would you take it? Well, no. So that so this is the point. I mean, we're we're all completely aligned on this, which I'm in some ways I'm surprised because it was a bit of a trick question. But no, I don't want it to end now. I wouldn't take. I wouldn't take that. I can't wait for the Villa game. I mean. Um, you know, I just I can't wait. I want to see what happens, and you've you've stolen my thunder, really, Taylor, in that sense. But if you think <laughs> if you if you think back to kind of last season, so pre you know this time last season when Newcastle had bottom with however many points they had, you you'd longed you know pre takeover. Let's be you know let pre takeover. I longed for the season to finish. If you could have given me the the thirteenth place that Newcastle always finished in, take it now. I would have taken that in August yeah. and not put myself through. I mean, I know that's ridiculous because we're paid. I'm paid to do this and stuff, and I, I love my job. And it's you know, so I'm I'm sort of exaggerating to make a point. But mm. you didn't want to go at the match, and you would, yeah. Please don't put me through this misery. Finishing thirteenth. See you again next August. Probably do the same thing. I don't want any of this to end now. I mean, that is the. But it's it's crazy when you think I'm offering offering Champions League football next season guaranteed, and we're all saying no to it, and we're all saying no because we want to say. <laughs> and I agree with you, Taylor. I don't care yeah. if at the end of the season Newcastle are in eighth. I don't no. care about that. I'm just loving the progression's already there, isn't it? Yeah, the progression is already there. And to me as well, if you finish the season now, you we would miss all of the other box office goals that we're going to score this season because so far, the club put a little clip out the other day. Did you see this video that they put out? And it was a little clip together of all the box office goals that we've scored. And my God, we are having a goal of the season competition on our own. <laughs> Share against Nottingham Forest, Trippier against City, Miggy against Fulham, Miggy against Everton. There's been Bruno against uh, Brentford, was it? Some brilliant goals. Some of the... Some of the goals, the last time we did this and scored so many box office goals in the season was the season we finished fifth. And we haven't done it since. And the ball is going in the net from all angles and it's brilliant. I absolutely love it. So after 12 games, lads, Newcastle have played eight of the top 11 sides. They've won at Tottenham, drawn at Old Trafford and came within a whisker of drawn away to Liverpool as well. Had they got that point at Anfield, they would be currently unbeaten. And this squad, Chris, they can't do much better than this, can they, surely? Well, we shall see. I mean, as I've already said, they've they've already exceeded my expectations, so I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to necessarily put limits on what. What was it fascinating was at one point Eddie Howe in his post match press conference, as much as he was sort of saying, "I'm le- I need to be level headed. I can't get carried away. I will be the one who's. It's just I'm just focused on the next game." At one stage, he did also say, "I'm really excited because I don't think we're at hundred percent yet," and he didn't mean that in terms yeah. of that's before you even factor in where Newcastle might go in terms of strengthening going forward. He thinks from the group that he's got, he can still extract more and they can be better, and that is that is exciting. That's a really exciting prospect and it's it's been a fantastic start to the season they're arguably a few points short of where they even could be in terms of some of the the performances they've had as you mentioned at at Anfield and also Old Trafford they possibly could have won I think a draw was a fair result but they possibly could have won that they could have beaten Man City um, and so they should have they should have beaten Crystal Palace at home there is more to come. There, there are improvements to be made. You can add Alan Saint Maximum back in that team somewhere. You've got Alexander Isak to come back and provide extra extra competition. John Joe Shelby came off the bench at the weekend for his first appearance of the season. He will offer something different. Yeah, might great to see. Exactly. Might free up Bruno to be further up pitch. You have competition for those front six positions now, which a few weeks ago you didn't. Even with a fully fit squad, you weren't sure whether necessarily all those players deserved to be pushing for a starting place. You now have that. So. 
no, I'm 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 fascinated to see how far they can go. It, it it's now getting to the point where you're almost debating will the World Cup break come at the wrong time for Newcastle? Do, do you want there to be a World Cup break? Because they have this momentum going at the minute and maybe that will be the worst thing for them. Who knows? We will wait and see. But but I'm, I I asked in this question in the piece that, that I wrote from the game where basically asking that, can they finish top four? And it's like, I, I don't know the answer to that question. Probably not is the answer. But also, at this moment in time, I don't care. And I don't think anyone really cares. They're, they're doing so well at this moment. And it's it's just enjoying the ride and seeing where they can actually go. Because it's almost like they've expedited that process of getting up, up the league. And now that they're, they're frightening the, the big teams early. Whether they can sustain that is probably doubtful. But they're, they're, they're giving it a bloody good go at the minute. Uh, George, I'll come to you with this as well. You would have to say that the, the project that is Newcastle United is pro- probably ahead of schedule at the moment, isn't it? Do you think the club will be prepared to adjust that strategy somewhat going forward if it looks like Eddie Howe could get the team into Europe? Do you think they'd be prepared to maybe go that little bit further or just sort of cut a few uh, you know, cut a few deals if they need to? Well, I mean, let's go back. Let's go back. as we're talking, making comparisons with the fifth place season. Let's go back to that and remember what happened. Remember what happened at the end. You let's know, New- not remember that. Well, that was terrible. Newcastle did brilliantly to uh, to achieve what they did. And what was Mike Ashley's mood? Fury, fury. Yeah, really unhappy. Fury that they finished fifth because it brought them Europe, but not the money of the Champions League. And of course, that summer they only ended up buying. Vernon Anita and um, as a, as a senior player, and they were woefully unequipped for a European campaign. Now, why am I talking about that? Well, because this time you would have faith that um, if there's an opportunity, that Newcastle will take it. And you know everything they've done in the transfer window so far has uh, has been a you know has 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 had a reason to it. There's been a decision. You know, the decision in January was they had to spend in order to stay up in the in the Premier League and they targeted the positions that they needed to uh, that they needed to strengthen same in the summer in in terms of transitioning to being a to being a better side the exciting thing is if by the time we get to January Newcastle are still in an elevated position and there's still a theory that it's you know still a feeling that they can uh, that they can finish in a European spot. Yes, I would expect them to take that. I mean, ideally, they won't be spending a huge amount of money in January, but they'll t- they'll take the opportunity. I mean, th- there's this kind of dual dual feeling within the club. One is that you know they don't want to sort of you know they don't want to oversell. Now that's difficult when you've said that you're going to be trying to win things within five to ten years. But you know they they want you know they want to understand the process, the process, process, process. That's the, that's the word. However, there's also a ferocity of ambition, and if they can do it, they want to do it. So yeah, I mean, I would, if if it's a realistic prospect or if there's a chance of it, I would expect them to. I would expect them to take the opportunity, and certainly, you know, if they do end the season in in a European place, you can guarantee that they would recognise what that means for the club and for the squad, and they would strengthen. And that is, it's just, it's. Still, I mean, the results are one thing, and performances are another thing, and they're both mind-bending. Um, really, I'm still finding it mind-bending seeing this improvement. But so is that other side of the club, knowing that in a year's time the squad will be stronger. It doesn't mean they'll get all every decision right because you can't. But the club and and squad will be stronger. You can guarantee that. 
that's an, that's an amazing feeling to have. Well, we shall wait and see what happens going forward. That's been an epic chat, lads. Let's uh, let's move on. I think uh, you can subscribe to the Athletic at a special price of just one pound a month for the first six months right now. To claim that offer, go to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle Pod and get all the access to our great writing as well as ad-free versions of the Athletics podcasts. That's theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle Pod. Sign up now. Right then, chaps, uh, in other news, Newcastle United women's team, a bit of a mismatch uh, against Gateshead Rutherford ladies in the FA Cup. They went out 12-0 winners, George. Bit disappointed they didn't get 13. Get that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Did they have a ball each in that game? That's <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. It's a great it's a great victory. And um, yes, uh, and yeah, I'm going to hope to get along to their, to their, to their next league game on, on Sunday. I've been, been to... Most of the home games so far, I really enjoyed it. And so, yeah, hopefully they can take that into the into the league too. They have got a trip to Hull in the first round proper as well, Chris. That will present a bit more of a robust challenge, I'd imagine. Without doubt, yeah. I mean, it's been a bit of a mixed start to the season for uh, for Newcastle women. They've had some very, very positive results, including this one, which hopefully will give them a bit of momentum. They've stuttered on a couple of occasions in terms of that they, they are in and around the promotion picture, but I think they'd, they'd have liked a few more points on the board, if possible. We know Becky Langley has been a bit frustrated after a couple of games that George has been up due to, to decisions that have been made. But hopefully... I thought you were going to say that was because of George being there. <laughs> She's going to well, be I'm frustrated sure, I'm, I'm because sure that, George I'm sure that added game. to it, yeah. I'm sure that just his, his his presence. Profoundly disappointing. <laughs> oh, not him again. Well, they lost. They actually they lost to Hull as well in the league. Um, they they lost that match four three, not too long ago. I was there for that one, and that was a that was a big disappointment. So they'll have a score to score to settle. I think. Absolutely. And uh, next up for them is Barnsley in the league. Uh, rearranged fixture, and interestingly, uh, against the opponents who they were due to play at St James's Park last season. So good luck, lasses. Let's see how they get on there. Um, also. Uh, up next for Eddie Howe's shithousing mags, um, Aston Villa at home on Sunday, George. I'm absolutely buzzing for this one now, as I'd imagine most Newcastle fans are. Uh, G- Steven Gerrard is gone, of course, uh, and they had a good win against Brentford. Uh, they will have a bit of confidence, won't they? But Newcastle shouldn't have anything to fear. No, I mean, saying the same thing week after week after week about this. I mean, absolutely. And... Yeah, I mean the the whole Steven Gerrard sort of narrative is interesting, isn't it? If you remember when when the Newcastle job was available, a lot of people saying that you know asking why Newcastle didn't go for Gerrard after what he'd done at um, after he, what, what he'd done at Rangers, well, obviously won the title, did did very very well, um, and it hasn't been so easy for him at um, you know hasn't been so easy for him at Villa, and he's gone. I mean, it's very difficult to. Compare two different clubs, you know, two different clubs and two different circumstances with different owners, and you know, absolutely all the rest of it. But how has been so perfect for Newcastle, um, and you know, it's it's just worth repeating all that. You know, just what a job, what a job he's done, and if he was doubted at the start, those those doubts have have just been blown away. And Chris, uh, Bruno was knackered at the end when he came off at Spurs and it wasn't just because of the newborn baby. The the whole team really are empty in the tanks, as we said before, in every game. Uh, Callum Wilson's played an awful lot of football for Callum Wilson. Uh, are we likely to see Eddie Howe rotate things ahead of the World Cup? Well, now that they've actually got 
a week off, well, not a week off, but a week to actually between the two matches. They haven't got the midweek game. And so in that sense, I, I don't think so. There may well be some tired bodies and, and, and how will make changes if he needs to. And But I don't think it'll be huge rotation. What I'm fascinated to see is when we do get to that Crystal Palace League Cup game in midweek in a couple of weeks, Newcastle are now in a position whereby he can actually target that. They haven't been in, the, in a position to be able to target a cup in that sense. Previously, we knew he was going to take it seriously anyway, but now he could almost he'd be justified in, in sort of saying well we're probably higher in the league than we necessarily expected to be we've got we've accumulated more points than we expected let let's put let let's actually focus on that game and make sure that we are going deep into that competition what what a wonderful position that is to be in so yes that they they have got tired bodies in terms of they haven't been able to rotate the forward line in particular without Sam Maxman Isak but Callum Wilson isn't going to want to be brought out of the team Callum Wilson wanted to speak about England after the game he spoke about it in every single interview he basically asked to be asked about it because he wants to go to Qatar so I don't think anyhow <laughs> we'll have a very happy Callum Wilson if he tries to rest him for any of these matches in the coming weeks I'm being slightly facetious here but maybe it'll be the opposite maybe he'll make changes to protect the, t- to protect the first 11 for the Champions League push <laughs> Oh, you silly sausage, George Colgan. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's still a bit of needle between the two sets of fans, isn't there? Historically, going back, Newcastle and Aston Villa have had some uh, some encounters over the years, haven't they? Uh, the Villa faithful weren't keen on Eddie Howe taking that job at the time when uh, when Gerard got it. You'd imagine our fans will uh, will remind them of that somewhat <laughs> on Saturday. Yeah, I very much imagine they will. In earlier this year, actually, I think that the the part of the start of Eddie of, of Stephen Gerrard's downfall really at Villa was was that defeat at St James's afterwards he came out and really went for his players and I remember speaking to a lot of people uh, a lot of Villa journalists and they were surprised by how great and you go he, he went for the nuclear option quite early on which was basically to call out his players and question the yeah exactly to question basically their attitude uh, their, their their willingness to to run the performance they put in and it is it, as George says difficult to compare one to the other but but if you look a year on they were appointed at almost exactly the same time they they had their first games in the same weekend of last season and Villa have, have just stagnated, whereas Newcastle have gone on and on and on. Villa spent money during the summer as well. They brought in some big signs. They were unfortunate because they signed Diego Carlos, who Newcastle tried to get in January, and he, he suffered a very serious injury early on, which was very unfortunate for him and them. Yeah. But they still spent money elsewhere. They've spent a lot of money over the course of the last three or four years and haven't really progressed. Newcastle, at least in the short term, have done that very well. And so, uh, yes, Newcastle fans will, will certainly be rubbing it in Villa because I'm sure if you ask most Villa fans now if they would take Eddie Howe as manager at this moment in time I'm sure they would they've gone down the other route than Newcastle I mean signing someone like Coutinho who's obviously a fantastic player at Liverpool um, but it's 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 what Newcastle haven't done and you know again you sort of you know they Newcastle have spent money I mean there's no doubt you can't doubt that they've spent money but it's what they've spent that money on and how they've spent it which is which is the imp- impressive thing. And again, you know, we were talking earlier about about the results against the big teams. That's with Dan that's with Dan Burner's left back at the moment. You know, it's with Fabian Shah who was at Newcastle previously. It's with players that they've collected mainly from lower level teams or players that they already had and got this fantastic tune, you know, getting this fantastic tune out with them. Players like Botman and Bruno are clearly stars already and are going to be big stars in the future, we hope. And as time goes on, I'm sure Newcastle will make more signings like that. But it's it's the way they've gone about it that is the thing that I love 
so much about about this team. It's it's built on such solid foundations, and um, yeah, it's great to see. It's brilliant, and and also George as well. That that game on Saturday, a traditional three pm Saturday kickoff, sold out St James's Park. It's going to be absolutely rocking again. I'm sure war flags will be all up in the mix. Uh, maybe it's time for a nice Eddie Howe banner. Maybe. Oh, why not? Yeah, I don't know what they've got planned actually this week, but. Um, yeah, well, the team, are, the team are taking his words, aren't they? Make each day your masterpiece. They, they are. They're making each game a masterpiece at the minute. And um, yeah, just long may it continue. Brilliant stuff. And looking further into the future as well, some dates for your diary in the Premier League have confirmed their festive TV schedule. Um, before the World Cup break, Newcastle go to Southampton at uh, 2 p.m. on the 6th of November. With George Corkin. And Culkin. then the following week with George Corkin, yes. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna uh, you're gonna get yourself down on the south coast there, George. You're gonna you're gonna go for a little trip. Uh, as coast? per usual, yeah, Chris is handing handing the reins over for the uh, longest the two longest trips of the season. Yeah. 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 Train strike on the same day, yeah. The of usual, it takes usual all the train strike. Yeah. 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 Playing George Cork and away day bingo there, aren't you? It's brilliant. Um, the t- Saturday, the November the twelfth, Newcastle against Chelsea and James's Park at past five kickoff. Chris fan- fancies that one, Taylor. Just to let you know, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Monday, December twenty sixth, Boxing Day banger, three pm, Leicester v Newcastle live on Amazon Prime, apparently. Uh, and Tuesday, January the third, as we go into the new year, Arsenal versus Newcastle on Sky Sports at 8pm. That will be some fixture, that. That will be some game. Um, Also, don't forget our special podcast offer. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod, where you can sign up to The Athletic and pay just £1 a month for your first six months. Uh, Well then, chaps, I think that's about it. I think we finished. My God, we got through it. We've managed to get through the podcast and and George has managed to resist being George as well because I was adamant that when we were going to talk about Miguel Almiron, he was going to mention a conversation we had after the game, after the Everton game on Wednesday night um, about, oh, about his goal. Oh, George, go on. What what was that? What was that, George? Does Chris think he mishit it or something? I can't remember that far back. Um, oh, God, yes. It's like one of the... Do you know... You, you know those times in your life where you're having a, like a conversation with somebody and it feels like kind of normal and then that person says something so outlandish that actually you suspect that you're talking either to a total idiot or an alien, somebody who's like from a different planet. and Maybe both. And that you don't have anything in common with this person at all. So, Chris, so yes, we did have a... And I'd just arrived back from America, so I was full of jet lag and I didn't feel very well, but I, you know, I wanted to have a chat with Chris about what he might be writing about. And we started talking about... Almiron and I made some sort of joke about his goal and Chris came out with the theory that although Almiron took that shot and the shot ended where Almiron was aiming for it was yeah. still a fluke because he hadn't he didn't mean it I didn't because say he fluke. didn't I did not say fluke you said you said <laughs> you said he took the shot and the shot went exactly where he wanted it to but the contact that he made Meant that it was lucky that it ended up where it didn't say lucky. Did. Didn't say lucky. Didn't say flu. Yeah. No, no. Now, I, what I compared it to was Alan Saint Maximan's volley at Wolves, where Alan Saint Maximan aims to hit that volley into the bottom right hand corner. He does not aim to hit it off his shin as he does, and it ends up where he wants it to. That shot for Miguel Almiron, 
I don't believe that any footballer means to hit the ball as he did. It looked like he was trying to scoop it almost as if it was like, it was almost like a sort of wedge shot in golf. I think he wants to curl it and I think he wants to go top corner. I actually think he wants to get a little bit more power on it. Instead, what he does is he gets some wonderful spin onto it. It was a wonderful goal. He's been absolutely brilliant the last few weeks. I'm just not convinced that he hits it exactly how he wants to hit it. That's not taking anything away from it. That, that's, that, that's the... Do you see what I mean, Chris. Taylor? I mean, it's like... You... I've never heard so much bollocks in my life. He's got through this podcast. You and think... I've recorded many Manscaped ads. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, we've got through this podcast and it's like well, it's just three normal people talking and then he comes out with something oh, like that. He's and it's always like, got to do this, hasn't he? I don't understand it. I've forgotten about that. Did, have we upset you in some way, Chris? Has Miggy shat in your letterbox or something? I don't... What is happening? What is, what if he is, did, he obviously didn't mean to. He was going for a different kind of shot, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Also, Chris, I have to bring up the fact that you called Fabian Shea Fabian Shart during the Everton game on Twitter, which was brilliant. I know, which I was I responded with a massive poo emoji, <laughs> laughing poo emoji, which I thought was quite a good response. Chris just completely blanked me. He hasn't Fabian he hasn't Schart. he hasn't acknowledged publicly at all that he referred to the most handsome man in football. <laughs> just, as just, Fabian just, Shart. That didn't happen. Just didn't happen. And let's not forget that let's not forget oh, that a God. shart is is how would we best describe a shart? A shart a shart well, that's is, a cross between a shit and a fart, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah, which, which <laughs> certainly certainly sums up Chris's uh, Miguel Almiron's opinion. Yes. Well, I think we should leave it there, chaps. It's only going to get worse, isn't it? <laughs> We're already scraping. He's the got bottom, nothing to say for himself. He's got, He's got nothing, nothing to say. Le- for I've got nothing no. left. Bless him. Right then. Cheers, Chris. Cheers, George. It's been fun. I'm off to get drunk in Croatia. I don't care what happens now. Anyway, thanks a lot for listening, all you lot out there. Uh, we'll be back very, very soon. Take care of yourselves, and from everyone at Pod of Time, a hearty goodbye. Sharty goodbye. A sharty goodbye. <laughs> the Athletic. <laughs>